Morning church. I hope everyone's doing well this morning, especially with this beautiful weather. Uh, Man, you know it's cold when you go to the store, right, and you have your mask on, and then you get back in your car to go home and you just leave your mask on the rest of the time because it helps you stay warm, right? It is cold outside, but uh, it's great to be together this morning. And if you're joining us for the first time, or uh, you know, it's it's been a couple times now, thanks so much, we're glad to have you. Uh, we'd love for you to reach out uh, so that we can get connected further, if you're not already. But uh, I'm looking forward to continuing our series through First Peter this morning. So uh, if you don't have your Bible on you, go ahead and snag one real quick and turn over to First Peter. And we're going to go ahead and dive on in this morning. Um, you know, like, like we've said, I'll do just a little recap here. The book of First Peter, this was a letter written by Peter and sent to the churches all over Asia Minor. Right? And it's believed that this letter was circulated just before Peter was martyred by Nero in Rome or shortly after. And he was writing this letter to encourage the churches to stand firm in their faith through the different challenges that they were facing. You know, Christians in the Roman world were facing an increasing pressure and persecution because of their faith. And Peter was encouraging them to stand firm, to not compromise for this temporary life that we're living right now. You know, we're facing a different set of challenges today, but the encouragement and the teachings that we read in Peter's letter are just as much for us today as they were for our brothers and sisters in the first century. You know, and last week we looked at the encouragement that Peter provided for the churches, and he reminded them of the hope they have because of their identity as Christians. No matter how we're being treated, no matter what's going on in our world, we are chosen. We belong to God's family. We are his special possession. And he paid everything for us. This world is broken, but thank goodness, because this world is not our home. This is not our final stop. This is not our final destination. We are temporary residents passing through until the day that Jesus returns. And that's where our hope is. That's where our hope is. It's it's in the day that we get to be with our Father in heaven for eternity. That's where our citizenship really is. And that's why we have hope. So, so encouraging. Guys, we've got to remember that. We've got to remember who we are in Christ. And we've got to remember where our home is. Right, but here we go. Today, we're going to look at, honestly, some of the most challenging teachings that you'll find in Scripture. 1 Peter 1, verse 14. He says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Guys, we've got to remember who we are. But because of who we are, because we are children of God, and we are part of God's family, 
Because we belong to a holy father, we are to be obedient children. As Christians, we are to imitate and reflect our holy father and act the way that we act in the family of God. And where Peter takes this is he spends a lot of time in his letter talking about how we are to interact and live with other people, with those outside of the church and with those inside. And he teaches us and instructs us about how we are to respond regardless of the challenges and the circumstances that we're facing. And that's what we're going to focus on this morning. We're going to look at how we are to live and interact with people in the world outside the church and with those inside the church, regardless of the challenges and the situations that we endure. You know, and Peter kind of goes back and forth in talking about how to how to treat people outside the church and interact with those outside and how to uh, how we interact inside the church. He kind of goes back and forth interchangeably because the teachings are the same regardless of who it is. But for the sake of, you know, kind of consistency, I'm going to talk about those in two categories, how we're to live and interact with those outside the church and how we're to live and interact as brothers and sisters inside the church. So buckle up. Because like I said, these are some of the most challenging teachings that you'll find in Scripture. So let's go to God in prayer, and then we're going to start in 1 Peter chapter 2. Good morning, God. Uh, Father, I pray this morning that you would open our hearts. God, soften our hearts to your word. God, it can be so easy as we endure the challenges of this life for our hearts to grow hard. But God, please soften our hearts this morning. God, open our eyes to Jesus. Help us to fix our eyes on Him, to look to His example. And God, give us the strength to follow through with God, that. God, thank you for calling us into your family, for calling us out of darkness and into your wonderful light, for adopting us as sons and daughters. Thank you for being our Father. And God, I pray that we can reflect and imitate you that we can be holy in all we do, especially in the way that we live and interact and treat other people. God, we love you so much. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. First Peter chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 11. And we're going to read a little bit. So go ahead and open your Bibles and uh, let's dive on in. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's servants. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God 
and honor the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles, the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their husbands like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as weaker partners and as heirs with you in the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. And finally, all of you, be like-minded. Be sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. And do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. So what we're going to look at first is some of Peter's instruction for how we are to live and interact with those outside the church, regardless of how we're being treated. There's lots of, in, of, of challenging instruction here, but before we dive into that, I just want to start by saying this. It is shameful and disgusting how throughout history people have misused this passage. It's been used to condone slavery or degrade or abuse women or to justify compromising in our faith in the name of submission to governing authorities. That is in no way what is being taught. Peter is not instructing that. God through Peter is not condoning any of that. I just wanted to start off by saying that. But what Peter is doing is he is addressing the extremely challenging reality that the Christians were facing. You see, it was custom, it was expected that anyone under 
the headship of the male, the, the male headship of a household, anyone under that was to inherit and worship the gods of the household. And to not do that would have been a major sign of disrespect and subversion. And so Peter isn't saying compromise in your faith and go along with whatever in order to avoid being mistreated. Right? It's actually the opposite. Compromising in their faith to avoid being mistreated is exactly what the Christians were tempted to do. Because they were under these household headships and they were claiming Jesus is Lord. And so they were tempted to compromise to make life a little easier. Peter isn't telling them to compromise, right? This entire letter is encouraging the exact opposite. The entire letter is written for them not to compromise. But what he is instructing them to do can be summarized in verse 12 and 15. Verse 12, it says, Live such good lives among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. And in verse 15, it says, For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. He's saying, guys, following Jesus is going to bring on grief in our life. And we are to stand firm and not compromise. But in every other aspect of life, live such good lives and do good to everyone. And the hope is that by doing so, you will silence ignorant criticism. And you may actually help others to end up glorifying our God in heaven. You'll show that being a Christian doesn't mean you're a subversive troublemaker. It actually will show that you are a blessing to the entire community and to the entire world. As Christians, we should never compromise in our lordship. And that's going to bring on grief in our life. So in every other area of life, we're to do good to everyone and live such good lives that people can't find anything bad to say. We're going to be the most respectful employees, the best students, the best neighbors. We're going to be a blessing to our communities, to this world. And by doing so, we're going to show that Christians aren't trouble. Christians are a blessing. But the reality was, they were going to be mistreated. And that's the reality for all of us. People will mistreat us. And Peter gives firm instruction in chapter 3 in verse 9. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. This is one of the most challenging teachings that you will ever read. Echoed from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It doesn't matter what situation we find ourselves in. It doesn't matter how someone treats us. We do not repay evil with evil or with insult. It's exactly the opposite. We, pay, we repay evil with blessing. We bless those who curse us. 
you know, from a young age, we've tried to teach our kids how to respond, right? How to respond when someone's mean to you or when someone does something that you don't like, right? We don't get physical. We don't hit. We don't kick. We don't spit. We don't say mean things. We don't scratch. We do not respond that way. And every once in a while, right, one of the girls will hit or kick, something will happen, right? And uh, they'll come on up, you know, was, you know, mom, dad, they, so-and-so hit me. Um, and so, you know, we'll go talk. Hey, did, did you hit, did you hit your sister? And what's always the response? Well, yeah, but she, and it's like, uh, 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 I don't care what she did. We do not respond that way, period. Right. And that's basically what God's saying here. You are in my family. You are my kids. And it doesn't matter what somebody does. We do not respond that way. He who called us is holy, and so we are to be holy in all we do. That's basically what God's saying here. He's saying responding that way does no good. It does not resolve the situation. It won't bring about any change, and it's not going to take your hurt away. It will only further the cycle of discord and division and hurt and pain. And what Peter does is much like his other teachings, he points us back to the example of Jesus. First Peter 2 verse 21, we read this. He says, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Guys, we are children of God. We are brothers and sisters that have been called, that have been chosen, that have been adopted into the family of God. We are going to face challenging situations. People will mistreat us. Christ left us an example to follow, not to admire, not to look at, to follow. To this we were called. To this example, he made no threats. He did not retaliate. He did not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who will judge justly. This example that Jesus set is completely unnatural and honestly, sometimes doesn't seem right. And what we've seen over the last several months is so far from the example that Jesus set. We're so emotionally charged. It's become not just okay, but expected to say whatever you feel, whenever, however you feel, to whoever you feel, on whatever platform you feel like, right? It's just, I'm going to share how I feel. 
I'm not going to hold back. I don't care who hears it. I don't care how it makes them feel. I'm going to say whatever I feel and however I feel because I'm just being real. We go on social media, we go on our text threads or whatever, and we just let it fly. We see the exact opposite from Jesus' example, don't we? Because what Jesus showed us is that regardless of how we feel, it is never okay to respond to evil with evil or with insult. Period. I'm not saying suppress your feelings and don't process things in a healthy way, but it is never okay to respond to evil with evil or with insult, regardless of how we feel. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead of doing all that, what did he do? He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. I think people right now would see Jesus' example as a sign of weakness, when instead it's a sign of faith in God. He entrusted himself to the one who will judge justly. God will judge justly. That's his role. But guys, we also have to remember that everyone will be judged, including us. And Jesus also said that the measure we use is the measure that's going to be used toward us, right? And Peter addresses that we too are going to face judgment. In chapter 1, verse 17, he says, Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. He's talking to the Christians and he's saying, Guys, everyone is going to be judged. The people who are mistreating you, but also us. He's going to judge everyone impartially. And so just because you're a child of God, just because you call yourself a Christian, doesn't mean he's going to judge you impartially. We will all be judged according to the lives that we live. And so his, his plea to them is to live their time here and remember that it's temporary. Don't lose your salvation during this temporary time. Live in reverent fear of God's judgment in a healthy respect and fear that we too will face judgment. Guys, I think we're so quick to want others to face judgment. The judgment that we think they deserve that we forget that we too are going to face judgment. No matter what happens, no matter how we're treated, we do not respond to evil with evil or with insult. Now, arguably, the hardest thing to do is not not responding with evil. Right? Because I think some of us can take the mistreatment on the chin Sometimes the hardest thing to do isn't not responding with evil, but it's responding to evil with blessing. And I want to look at another example Jesus set for us that Peter witnessed firsthand. Look in Luke chapter 22, verse 49. Luke 22, verse 49. 
when Jesus' followers, right, Jesus is in the garden and he's, he's getting arrested. Judas showed up with guards from the uh, chief. And um, yeah, this, this is kind of what happens in verse 49. When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Right, and we know from John's account, who was the guy that grabbed his sword and cut the ear off? It was Peter. Look at Jesus' response. He challenged his disciples. No more of this. Put your sword away. And then he looked at the guard and he said, well, that's what you get. Justice served. No. He healed him. Jesus was being wrongly accused, falsely accused. He was being betrayed by one of his disciples. He was arrested by the religious leaders. And his buddy tries to stick up for him. And what did Jesus do? He corrected his buddy and he healed the dude that was mistreating him. We do not respond to evil with evil or repay insult with insult. On the contrary, we respond to evil with blessing. Right? That's the hardest part because like I said, sometimes we can take the mistreatment on the chin and just be quiet. But inwardly, our hearts are hardening and we're stewing. And we want harm to come on the other person. We won't, we won't bring it on him, but we want someone to bring it on him. While Jesus was on the cross, he didn't just sit there silently stewing, hoping that everyone in here was going to burn in hell and get what they deserved. He prayed for them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Even on the cross, Jesus responded to evil with blessing. This is a hard teaching, guys. When was the last time you prayed for someone that you felt mistreated you? And not just prayed for, you know, God to judge them or deal with them but prayed for them to be blessed. Prayed for them to be forgiven. Prayed for them to repent and become your brother and sister in Christ. Right? I, I think sometimes we can forget that the God that loves justice also loves mercy and wants all men to be saved. Right? And that's even the goal in Peter's instruction. Live such good lives. Do good to everyone so that they may glorify your Father. The hope is that by doing good, people will see it and it might change them. That's what's going to bring about change. Not repaying evil with evil. It's going to be by repaying evil with good and with blessing. And hopefully that might sink in and click and someone might see that and end up following Jesus as well. 
our desire also has to be for all men to be saved, even the evil ones. Guys, I want to challenge us as a church. The next time we're in a conversation and someone is coming and just getting open and being real about how they're feeling or how someone has hurt them. We need to listen. We need to validate. But then we need to encourage one another to go pray for those people. Guys, we have got to repay evil with blessing. Oh, this is such a hard teaching. It doesn't, it doesn't seem right. And in the wisdom of the world around us, it's not right. But it's the example that Jesus said it, and it's so hard. It's such a high calling. And that's exactly why we need the church. That's why we need the family of God. And Peter addresses this also. He also addresses how we're to live with one another in the family of God. Because guys, this world is broken. And we're going to face, we're going to face incredible challenges in this life and in the world around us. The church is supposed to be a refuge. It's supposed to be a place of comfort. It's supposed to be our own little slice of the kingdom of God. That when the world mistreats us, when we're going through junk in the world, we have a family to come home to at the end of the day, of brothers and sisters that love us, of a father that loves us. But sometimes during these challenging seasons, we can endure the challenges of the world but then end up taking it out on our brothers and sisters, right? And that even happens in our biological families, right? Sometimes the, the people we treat the worst are our own family members, right? We treat strangers sometimes better than we treat our own siblings. And Peter knows that this can be our nature. And he knows how important it is to protect the church because of how much we're going to need the church to get through this life and so in chapter 3, in verse 8, he says, Finally, all of you, be like-minded. Be sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. And in chapter 4, verse 8, he says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gifts you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. He's saying, guys, he's addressing the incredibly challenging realities that they're going to face in this world. And he's challenging them, do good to everyone. Never repay evil with evil or with insult But that's why we need the church, because this world, this temporary life is so challenging. And so he's encouraging them, love one another. Be unified. Be sympathetic and compassionate toward one another. Be humble with each other. Offer hospitality to one another. Use the gifts that you've been given to serve one another. Love one another deeply. 
Guys, we need each other. We need the family of God. We've got to fight to remain family through these challenging seasons and not let the challenges of this world tear apart our relationships with one another in the family of God. And we're not perfect. We're going to mess up. We're going to hurt each other's feelings. Sure, that's going to happen. That happens in family. That happens with siblings. But even still, all those teachings he already we talked about still apply. We never repay evil with insult or, in, or, or, or uh, evil with evil or insult with insult. No, we love one another. Right? He's not contradicting other passages that talk about how we need to deal with sin. But he's saying, guys, we've, we've got to love each other so much that it overcomes, that it covers over the sin. There's going to be junk. Love each other deeply. Bro, when, when you sin again, I got you covered. I love you. Right? There's got to just be so much sympathy and so much compassion and so much humility that, yeah, there's going to be issues in the church, but our love covers over it. It covers over a multitude of sins and messes that will be in the church. He's not saying don't, he's not saying don't deal with sin, don't expect repentance. That's still true. He's just addressing the reality that, guys, we need each other. We can't tear each other apart. We've got to be humble with each other. We've got to be sympathetic and compassionate. We've got to serve one another and offer hospitality to one another. And most of all, we've got to love each other deeply and cover over our sins because we're so loving. Guys, even in the church, we do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. We deal with it in a godly way and it's covered over by our deep love for one another. Right? Galatians 6 verse 10, Paul kind of echoes this sentiment. He says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those belonging to the family of believers. Guys, we've got to love one another deeply. We need the church. If we don't have the church, this life is already challenging enough. If we don't have the family of God, I don't know how we're going to get through this temporary life. Man, these are challenging teachings. It's such a challenging example that Jesus set for us. I think we also have to remember where Peter is, right? Peter is in Rome. He was already martyred, and this letter is circulating after, or he is soon to be martyred, mistreated, unfairly executed by an oppressive government. Look at the example that's been set for us. Look at the teachings that have been handed down for us of how we are to live as children in the family of God. We will face challenges. We will be mistreated, whether for our faith or just because. But we belong to a holy father. And just as he who called us is holy, we are to be holy in all we do. And no matter what, we do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, 
We repay evil with blessing. We live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse us of doing wrong, they may see our good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. For it's God's will that by doing good, we would silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Brothers and sisters, we have got to be unified. We've got to be sympathetic and compassionate with one another. We've got to be humble toward each other. We've got to offer hospitality to one another and be giving and serving to one another with the gifts that God has given us. And above all, we've got to love one another deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Guys, I know that emotions are high in the climate of our world. It's been a challenging season. I know the pain is deep. But we have got to remember who we are. We are children of God. We belong to a holy father. And we're going to reflect and imitate our holy father and live the way that we're supposed to live in the family of God by following the example that Jesus set for us. To this we were called. Guys, let's trust God. Let's follow Jesus' example. And above all, let's love one another deeply. Let's do good to everyone. Guys, as challenging as these teachings are, I hope that it gives us some good, needed direction for our lives. I hope that it's ministered to our hearts. I hope that our hearts have softened this morning to God's word and to Jesus' example. I love you guys. I'm so grateful to be a part of our family here at Free State. We're a small church, but we're a big old family. I love you guys. I hope you have a great rest of the day. Now, next week, we're going to have our Heartland Regional Service. It's going to be on Zoom. We're going to show a little promo video for it. At the very end, there's going to be the Zoom link. So if you want to copy that down or take a picture of it or something, um, that's where we're going to be next Sunday at 10 a.m. with all of our brothers and sisters in the Heartland family of churches on Zoom. Uh, I look forward to uh, seeing you guys next week. And after, we're going to jump on Zoom to take communion today. I love you guys. See you soon. This process of transformation. What if instead of a, being a burden, our Bible study, our prayer time, is actually a gift and it's something that allows us to be renewed and experience this transformation. Just think, I'm hoping that what comes out of 2020 for our church is that we really will value prayer. I know we don't fully understand the power of prayer, something we're still grasping. We don't always get it, right? We, we think prayers are sometimes just, prayers really make a difference. In a year like this, with all that's been going on, you gotta ask yourself, how much have we prayed? The world is not patient, right? The world is probably going to continue to be that way until Jesus comes back. But as Christians, who are we to not forgive? Who are we to throw stones and not have grace and mercy? Brothers and sisters, we are all different. Opinionated, stubborn, full of ourselves, and so on. But when we choose to accept one another as Christ has accepted us, the gloves fall off and our hearts are burning within us to only do what we see Jesus doing. Being a servant 
and loving people right where they are. Something that suffering teaches, we are not supposed to belittle the significance of their suffering. God disciplines those that he loves. The suffering that God allows is a sign that God loves them. Don't be discouraged when he corrects you. We talk about embracing the exact exercise of discipline. Remember that God is treating you as his own son. Relationships, good relationships, godly relationships, are highly inefficient. They're time consuming, they're life and energy draining. The conversations that secure and build unity. But you know what? Those conversations are the exact opposite of what's going on in the world right now. You gotta fight to love one another, to be patient with one another, and kind to one another, and humble toward one another, to persevere with one another, to forgive one another, to encourage one another. It's time for us as a church to get back to the love we had for one another. What we're going through and what we will continue to go through is nothing new under the sun. Now more than ever, now, now is the time for God's kingdom to shine brightly, for disciples to be emboldened, to speak the truth in love, and to bring the healing that God's reconciling kingdom brings to all mankind. You and you and you and me and you. It matters. It matters.